Hello and welcome to Imagine America Radio, a service of the Imagine America Foundation and Imagine America Publishing Company. My name is Bob Martin. I'm the president and CEO of Imagine America Foundation. In the last 20 years, Imagine America has provided scholarship support and tuition assistance to students attending career colleges all across this country. The purpose of this podcast is to promote technical and career education and to inform the public of career opportunities that are not just in high demand, but essential to the American workforce. We hope you will enjoy today's podcast. This podcast is brought to you by NCCT, the National Center for Competency Testing. NCCT is a trusted provider of industry-recognized healthcare certifications for colleges, high schools, and healthcare institutions in today's workforce. Why? Well, family-owned and operated since 1989, NCCT is atop the list of certifying bodies and is dedicated to the philosophy of putting their candidates and certificates first, helping them achieve affordable success. The National Certified Medical Assistant is the flagship among seven NCCA-accredited allied health certification programs. As the value leader, NCCT provides unmatched quality and affordable price points for exams, study materials, and interactive review systems, offering low recertification fees with a free library of CE courses for credential maintenance. When certification matters, choose NCCT. Go to nctinc.com, that's n-c-c-t-i-n-c.com to choose now. So let's get to our next guest. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Imagine America Radio, a service of the Imagine America Foundation. Today is the second episode in our medical career series where we will focus specifically on medical assisting careers. Joining us today is Jim Beloga, President and CEO of Porter and Chester Institute and YTI Career Institute. Porter and Chester has nine campuses all throughout Massachusetts and Connecticut. YTI Institute is located in Altoona, Lancaster and York, Pennsylvania. These campuses are focusing on educating tomorrow's workforce and has, has been doing that since 1946 and is accredited by the Association of Career Schools and Colleges. Porter and Chester trains its students to enter the workforce in a number of exciting careers, medical assisting, dental assisting, medical billing and coding, practical nursing and cosmetology programs. Additionally, Porter and Chester offers a full range of career and technology programs, including heating and HVAC, plumbing, electronics, and electrician programs, and the technology sector featuring Porter and Chester's computer networking technician and computer-assisted drafting and design program. Jim, it's great to have you here. Bob, thanks for having me. Talking today about medical assisting because we've devoted the entire month to medical assisting careers. We couldn't think of anybody better to talk to about, to about this. So let me, let's start off just by, if you could just explain to us a little bit about a, a medical assisting program. And as a leading provider, why don't you give us a chance to tell us what is a medical assistant doing on a daily basis? What's their workload like? What do they need to be looking at if they're looking at this career? Yeah, I mean, thanks, Bob, um, for the question. A, a medical assistant, I mean, I think there's there's two aspects of, of medical assisting. And, and one is around administrative functions 
as well as clinical function. I think that um, for some folks who like uh, more of the administrative area, you know, they're going to do, be doing, you know, front office, what, what would be front office work, patient intake work, greeting patients, scheduling appointments, completing medical uh, records, doing a little bit of billing. And then, you know, the, the folks who uh, really enjoy uh, more of the patient, direct patient care side, they'll be more involved in the clinical aspect. In, in terms of just onboarding patients, you know, taking uh, uh, vital signs, you know, getting the, the patient prepar- uh, prepared for uh, their meeting with a doctor, and even doing some basic lab procedures. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a profession that, you know, I think allows folks to do both of those, if those, uh, that, that administrative as well as that clinical uh, exposure uh, to patients and, or it, in, in bigger practices, it allows, you know, that medical assistant to sort of focus on, you know, maybe uh, more administrative uh, if they prefer that or more clinical, which is really dealing directly with, with the patients once they move uh, behind the, the, the medical office uh, entry uh, point. All right, Jim, this is Lee Doubleday. I'm talking to Jim Beloga, president and CEO of Porter and Chester Institute and YTI Career Institute. So now that we have a better understanding of what a medical assistant does, let's talk about how someone becomes a medical assistant. I'm assuming someone is going to need some training and some sort of certification in order to become employable as a medical assistant. Am I right? What does this typically look like? What does the training look like? Yeah, so 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 we have we have two programs. So if you're uh, attending uh, our, our Connecticut, Massachusetts-based schools under the name of Porter and Chester Institute, you will um, uh, enroll in, in 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 our program. It's a ten-month program, and uh, so you 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 would um, experience four ten-week uh, terms. And uh, the goal is to get you through the educational aspects of the administrative and clinical learning in, in terms of theory, as well as um, the practical, tangible skills that you'll get in our industry models, labs, and then you'll cap that off uh, generally with a relatively short externship experience. And the goal, the goal here is, is to um, have our students become a, a certified medical assistant. That's what the employers are looking for. And um, our students uh, are afforded that, that opportunity uh, concurrent with their graduation because we're accredited, programmatically accredited by um, the Accrediting Bureau of Health Education Schools, or ABHES, uh, and, that, and that affords us the ability for our students to uh, move right into that, um, uh, that, that credential. We also offer a, uh, an associate's degree in our Pennsylvania schools. It's in our York campus. Um, that program's 20 months, and again, uh, those students would be, um, they would more likely than not do some form of, of certification uh, at the end of that process as well. And it would be the same, same sort of overall uh, educational track. They do, uh, because it's an associate's degree, they do, uh, will have to complete some applied general education courses um, that are really designed uh, around what um, is relevant to being a medical assistant. Jim, so I, I'm, I'm seeing in my mind uh, a young person could be male, female, doesn't matter. That I guess the first prerequisite might be that they they really want to get a, a career in healthcare. It might be as a related related to COVID. It might be some something else. But when I'm when I'm struck by listening to you is it seems to me an a medical assistant program is like a stepping stone for the, for a career in this. In other words, they come in, they get the they get the basic training, they get a chance to go out and do some practicum, do some of that that sort of work, and then all of a sudden they're migrating up to an associate's, they're migrating up to a bachelor. Is 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 that realistic, or am I just am I just crazy here? 
Yeah, no, I think, I think, um, I, you know, I think depending on the student, I mean, I, 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 our experience with, with folks who generally want to go into healthcare profession is that, you know, there's somebody who uh, really, they care about people, um, they care about their health in whatever, you know, shape or form that comes in. And they're generally, you know, those individuals who, who, who truly, truly internalize, you know, trying to help people. And I, I think that um, there is um, the medical assisting program, at least our program, you know, is an opportunity as a stepping stone. So you can go into yeah. to that environment. You know, we do have some medical assistants, for example, that uh, will do that for a few years and then come back to us and decide that they want to, you know, then try maybe becoming a, um, a practical nurse right. uh, or licensed practical nurse. Right. Um, and then, you know, and then that sort of starts potentially their journey that, you know, they do that for a few years and then, and then all of a sudden they decide that maybe they want to become an RN. And so I, I think there is a, a natural progression for those folks who are, you know, truly motivated about sort of moving up, if you will, the, the food chain in the, in the healthcare system. And I, and I would say that in today's environment, I think more and more young people are recognizing that you're going to have to subscribe to a continuous lifelong learning uh, journey. It, it's not like maybe when uh, we went to school, Bob, it was sort of a one and done kind of thing where you might've gotten a, a degree and, and that degree was um, sort of that entry point. And you still did some continuous learning, but it wasn't in a more formal way. And, um, and, and I do think over time, you know, what we are going to see is that there's going to be a, a more flexible path for folks to, um, to, to, to move up and to continue to stay educated, just, just given the, the, the rate of change and the pace of change. Um, that exists in our everyday lives, you know, it, 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 it's something that I think folks have to just think about. Yeah, no, Jim, uh, that's actually a great segue into my next question, which, um, you know, something that we've seen recently is that medical assisting can actually be taught at least somewhat online. Is it possible for someone to go to school to become a medical assistant online or in a hybrid program? And how common is that? Yeah, I would say, you know, COVID you know, COVID accelerated, I think, the hybrid concept and, and I think to a certain degree, the online concept. And that's what we're, we're doing. I mean, our program, uh, both of our programs, whether uh, they're under the Porter and Chester Institute name or the YTI Career Institute name, those programs are delivered in a hybrid way. And they're also delivered uh, both asynchronously, meaning that the, the lectures are rec pre-recorded, if you will, and the information's pre-preset, as well as having synchronous or live lectures or live interactions with with prospective students, and um, and so that's so so we're delivering that. So basically, I sort of shorten it up to be lecture online and um, industry modeled lab work on ground, um, and your clinical uh, or your externship experience on ground. And so I think that um, I think that, that that's a very viable path. One of the things that we're finding is that students are really enjoying the flexibility of our program because what's actually happening is is they have time of day flexibility. So back uh, pre-COVID, you know, you had to be at class say at eight o'clock in the morning, and that class went to let's just say you know two fifty. Well, now students have the ability a couple of days a week where they've got that time of day flexibility. So let's just say hypothetically, you're a single mom or single dad and something happens with your children in the morning. Historically, when you had to sort of physically be on the campus, that was, that created a lot of stress and anxiety. And now having the time of day flexibility, uh, the way our program is designed, the student can go in there, doesn't, doesn't have to be there at eight o'clock, but 
but you know, maybe at, at, at 11 o'clock or 11 a.m., they could go in and they could do their work and, 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 and engage with the material. You know, and the other thing that we're finding is that students are enjoying the ability that if they don't really sort of um, learn a concept or understand a concept, you know, again, that physical classroom experience is gone, right? I mean, you sort of went there, and it was a moment in time, and now it's gone. What we've done is, what we've heard from our students is they, they appreciate the fact they can go back and re-listen to things or reflect on things and, 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 and engage in a little bit more active learning. And so we're finding that, you know, I think that's a very viable solution for folks. And again, the other thing that uh, we've heard from our students is they, they do enjoy the fact that maybe they're only on campus two days a week in our industry modeled labs doing their hands-on education and training. And so that actually saves them time and money as well versus, you know, they might have been traveling to our campus, you know, four days or five days a week. And so now, you know, they've basically cut that that time down by 50%. So they have they have extra time and they've saved that money to do other things in their lives, whatever that might be. And so, yeah, so I think the hybrid model for us is working really well. I, I mean, I could see I could see programs, that, you know, maybe going to 100% online through the use of simulation software. I, but I do think that there, there always will be a need to have some form of direct patient care exposure. And I also think like, um, like in any one of our experiences in life, I think it's always helpful to have that instructor or teacher or that coach who can, you know, really, you know, stand beside you and, and show you how to maybe, you know, inject a needle into someone's arm or, you know, you know, in the vein. And, and you know, there's, there's little techniques, you know, in, in every, every profession that I think, um, yeah, you can pick up watching that maybe on a video or in a live demonstration. But, but I also think that, you know, it, it also helps to sort of do it live, you know, uh, on ground to really cement uh, those tangible skills. Yeah, especially in the healthcare industry, right? I mean, it is a patient facing industry. So, um, you know, having that kind of hands-on experience is great. And I think I like the way you said it. It's like the administrative stuff is done online and the clinical stuff is done synchronous and in-person, um, which I'm sure your students love the, the flexibility, like you mentioned, if they want to get a job, you know, during those days, to, you know, start paying down, you know, whatever they got to pay down. And, you know, I, sure. I love the flexibility. I think it's great. Now, let's say I'm someone who's interested in education and medical assisting, and I know I want to go to school for it, but I don't know which school is going to offer me the best education. There are so many options out there. So what are some things that students should be looking for when choosing a medical assisting program? Should the student be looking for accreditation? You know, maybe the length of program. I think people also want to consider maybe relationship with employers. Can you just give us a brief checklist on some things that you would be looking for in a school if you were a student considering a medical assisting program? I think you hit on some of the points. I mean, I think one, you know, is the is a school accredited, you know, at the institutional level? Is there uh, a programmatic accreditation, you know, so that you, you're you have some certification ability? And again, I think every market's a little bit different. I mean, not all markets require, you know, a CMA certification. There are some markets that have RMAs and some other certifications as well. So I would, you know, I would look into that in terms of just on the employer side, you know, I, and I would what I would uh, encourage folks to do is also just think about how can you best integrate school into your work, you know, life and achieve that balance. You know, it is somewhat of a disruptive process because again, you are going to school full time, you know, you're, you're, you're going to need to commit probably a good 30 hours, you know, a week in terms of being involved, uh, homework, other things that you're going to be required to have to do. And so, um, and, and, and I would just look at schools that right, right now provide you with, with a flexible a flexible option. You know, one of the things that, you know, we're really excited about 
by uh, delivering this program in a hybrid way is that it does give the student a tremendous degree of flexibility uh, in, in their in their daily lives. And again, I think that um, employment is also very important. I mean, you know, most of our students are coming to school to get the, you know, the relevant theory and then practically apply that theory and, and develop tangible skills so that they can become employable. And I think that that's also you know, a very important feature to, to, to look at. And, and I would also just say, you know, is the school, you know, is the school uh, making, and, and this is not always easy to figure out, but, you know, like, for example, is the enrollment process, you know, relatively easy? Can I go online and do it, you know, on my time? Or, you know, you know, do I need to worry about having to, you know, possibly go to a campus if I'm concerned about COVID? Um, so I would just, I would look at flexibility overall for the student and how it best fits into um, their life. Because I think, you know, education is uh, really uh, an individual decision that a, a person needs to make. And everybody's got, nobody has the same sort of fact pattern, if you will, in terms of their background uh, or their current life situation or work situation or family situation. So, but the, yeah, I mean, I think you hit some of the, you know, the key points there. But again, I would, um, you know, I would just, again, focus on how best, how best can the school help me be successful. And if flexibility is something that would allow me to, to, to be able to, to do my studies and, and continue on with my life, I think that's huge. And that's why I'm, I'm a big proponent of the hybrid delivery method. I think it's going to um, change the way um, uh, students are able to get educated. Let me, let me summarize this because I think it's, it's very, very important what you've, what you've just said, because I'm sitting back here as a as a host of the lead with this podcast, but I'm also sitting back trying to put on the hat as a as a parent, because very often, as you know, Jim, when when they're coming in, they're bringing significant others, they're touring the school, they're meeting different people. So I want to make sure that we're really very clear on this, which is, I hear you say accreditation, I heard you say institutional accreditation, and I hear programmatic accreditation. Absolutely critical. The underlying factor on that is also that if you don't have that. If this institution doesn't have that, there isn't going to be the likelihood of, of financial aid that's going to be able to be driven to you to go to that school, right? If they're not accredited. Well, yeah, at the institutional level, yeah, as long as that accreditor is, you know, is recognized by the U.S. Department of Ed and you can participate in the federal student loan program, right. state right. student aid program, yeah, yeah. So I think institutional accreditation is is, is really key. Um, I think, um, you know, again, on the programmatic side, I think um, in certain areas it's important. I think depending on um, other areas in the country, it may not be as important. So I think students just have to, it's a good question to ask. Um, and it really sort of emanates around students' employment and employability. Yeah, then, then I, then I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I then hear, then I, we mentioned it, I hear relationships. I've been to your campuses. I've seen what you've done. I've, we've talked, we've had the pleasure of talking to some of your graduates. Relationships that you have with employers are absolutely critical because at some point, mom or dad or that significant other is going to say, "Hey, Jim, where, where's Billy going to go? Where, where's he, what's he going to do? Right. How, where, how, how am I going to pay this back, Jim?" Right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think right now, I mean, it's it's a, it, I mean, it's a great time. It's a great time to to really pursue what I'll call is healthcare or other technical education, shorter term technical education. I think that um, there's huge, huge demand on the employer side right now. And so on the healthcare side, you know, we don't have enough medical assistants. We don't have enough nurses. Uh, you look in the skilled trades area. I mean, you know, the other interesting thing we didn't, we didn't talk about or mention in our profile, but we actually offer a respiratory therapy program that's actually hybrid as well. 
and a vet tech program. And those two programs right now, folks are very interested in, you know, obviously respiratory therapy around the COVID and, right, and running right. mechanical ventilators and things like right, that right. In, in the hospitals. That's very, very vital. And then the vet tech, you know, everybody's gone out and got an, an animal during COVID. And so, you know, so there's now increased demand at the, at the vets. But, but I, I would just, you know, I would just simply say that um, on the employment side, this there are clear paths uh, to jobs uh, for students pursuing a medical assisting career, um, along with all of the other educational programs that we offer. Right. So the other point being program flexibility or enroll overall flexibility for the student. In other words, beginning in the enrollment process, how easy is it to get information? How responsive are these these schools to me? Can I get access to these people? How are they helping with me with financial aid? How are we mm -hmm. doing with the orientation? Implied in that also, which you, I think you touched a little upon is, is the state of the art equipment. If you're not working on, particularly in this respiratory therapy situation, if you're right. not working on, employer doesn't want to talk to you, right? Have you worked on the XYZ, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the other thing that, you know, I, I think we, we take, um, you know, great pride in is that, you know, we have program advisory committees and we have members who are on those committees who are employers in the community that, you know, basically look at our curriculum and, and, and really help determine its relevancy in the, in the workforce uh, and in the workplace. You know, that's part of who we are as an institution. And, uh, you know, we're constantly looking at trying to get better each and every day. And, um, you know, so, so again, I think that, um, you know, the overall model of operation that we have, I think, is very conducive for, for folks basically learning the theory, then practically applying the theory, developing, you know, repeatable, sustainable, tangible skills that they can then use, you know, day one when they go out and get employed. Gotcha. Uh, before we conclude this thing and I do the wrap up, uh, do you want to give some contact information now if, they, if someone listens to these this pithy presentation you have and wants to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Where do they go? Yeah, I mean, I would, it, it, yeah, if students, if students are listening to this, uh, you know, in their or their families are listening to it, I would just encourage them to go to uh, www.porterchester.edu if you're uh, interested in programs in Connecticut or Massachusetts. And, um, and if they're interested in our programs that are offered out at YTI Career Institute, going to www.yti. .edu. And, um, and I will say that um, we are, uh, some of our programs like medical billing and coding is now uh, completely online. So we've, uh, so we didn't really talk much about that, but um, that program we took online from a 100% residential program to 100% online program. And we are actually seeing a lot of interest, not it's offered through our Lancaster PA campus, but we're actually seeing a lot of interest outside of Pennsylvania for that program because it's online. Yeah. And we have moved some of our traditionally based programs like computer-aided drafting and design that used to be 100% residential that's now online. And uh, we've done the same thing with computer and network technology and computer data management. So we are, um, you know, we are trying to innovate the, the educational delivery of, of programs, again, not only in medical assisting, but, yeah. but in other areas as well. A great episode of Imagine America Radio. And our second in our medical assisting careers program in our medical assistance career services month. We wanna thank you, Jim, for joining us today. Jim is the president and CEO of Porter and Chester and YTI Career Institutes. We hope that you have found this podcast useful. And on behalf of my colleague, Lee Doubleday and myself, we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Imagine America Radio. We hope you found it informative. 
For more information about future episodes and the Imagine America Foundation, you can go to our website, imagine-america.org forward slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts and to get information on the many programs offered by the Imagine America Foundation and Imagine America Publishing. Please subscribe today so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. For now, thank you very much for joining us and best wishes.